AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Soybean meal led a surge in soybean futures. That got prices to the highest level in eight weeks. New contract highs in meal. And the rally in beans helped corn work to the upside while wheat hung out around unchanged. Live cattle and feeder cattle started what should be a sustainable upside recovery, while hog futures got back on top of a short-term uptrend. Live from Second Summer via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll chat with Matt Campbell from StoneX. Later, Kerry Artak from ArtakAdvisory.com. And directly following the news, Jack Scoville from the Price Futures Group. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now, here's the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. Yeah, 61 degrees. 61 mm-hmm. degrees, November 13th, mm-hmm. 2023. The sun is shining, yeah. and it is uh, 61 degrees. It's fantastic. I think what's going to happen here, it, you know, I called it second summer. I would almost, I'm wishing I'd called it second spring. Oh, I feel oh. like we're going to, you know, the the climate is going to express an entire year's worth of weather in about the next week and a half. Yeah. <laughs> I see that. That's This is what I'm predicting. <laughs> so uh, it's it's not only second summer, it's a, it's a second run at right. 2023. Yeah, yeah, I can see it happening, too. Over the next couple of weeks, we mm-hmm. may go spring, summer, fall, yeah. and winter. I think so. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to it. What the heck? Got to have something to look forward to, right? Oh, sure. Absolutely <laughs> you do. Yeah. Uh, okay. I tell you what, we're looking forward to the conversation with Matt Campbell yeah. from StoneX Group. Um I've decided enough is enough. We're just going to call what's happening in the northern production areas of Brazil, uh, central Brazil, Mato Grosso, Mato Grosso do Sul. We're just going to call it a drought. That's a strong I, I, word. I feel, I feel like I was late to the game this in, in mm-hmm. June because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the drought monitor, the rainfall patterns, everything very easily qualified it as a drought. Mm-hmm. We were well below trend line yields on corn. Mm-hmm. Uh, that helps to identify it as a drought mm-hmm. and all said, I'm, I'm not going to mess around anymore. We're just going to call it a drought. Okay. We'll, well, we'll, I, I appreciate we'll your, thinks. yes, I appreciate you being so forthcoming and I appreciate yep. your candor. I yep. would argue that some people would say drought. Oh yeah. Yeah. They so there's that. Would. There's that. Right. Yeah. You I'm know. not, I'm not that guy. I'm, You're not I that say guy? drought. Yeah. Boy, that's a bold position. I appreciate you, buddy. Well, you know, <laughs> if you, you got to stand for something, right? <laughs> How about we stand for some news where Perfect. wheat futures clung close to unchanged for much of the session as corn and soybean futures pushed to the upside. December soft red winter wheat futures opened slightly lower and dropped through support at Friday's low before recovering to close back on the top side of the pivotal 580 level. Export inspections of wheat in the weekend of November 9 totaled just over 207,000 metric tons, and that was at the low end of trade expectations. Warm weather in winter wheat country will keep traders on watch for a quick switch to colder weather in the weeks ahead. 
December HRW wheat futures were a penny and a half higher today, 641 and a half. December SRW wheat up three and three quarter cents to 579. December spring wheat closed at 728 and three quarters. That's down one and three quarter cents, Chip. Yeah, the crop watchers out in HRW country are trying to figure out if that crop hasn't established well enough to handle when we do get that quick switch over to some colder temperatures. Well, Chip, a forecast calling for more hot and dry conditions in Brazil's northern production areas sent bean and corn prices sharply higher today. Corn futures followed beans to the upside, but slow bean plantings now mean delayed harvest and delayed safrina corn crop planting. Corn export inspections weekended November 9 totaled nearly 609,000 metric tons, and that was in line with trade expectations. USDA this morning also announced the sale of nearly 144,000 metric tons of U.S. corn for delivery to Mexico in the current marketing year. December corn futures opened lower, spiked support at Friday's low, then posted a massive upside reversal to close near session highs. December corn futures 13 and one quarter cents higher today, 477 and a quarter. March corn up 13 and three quarter cents to 492 and three quarters. May corn futures closed at 502. That's up 13 and a half, Chip. Yeah, need some follow-through tomorrow to confirm the upside momentum. January bean futures gapped higher, slipped back to within a half cent of Friday's high, and then rallied sharply to close above 1375 for the first time since September 14. December soybean meal led the advance and shot to a new contract high. A lack of supply from Argentina supported bean meal, and the drought in central Brazil supported <laughs> bean prices, also supporting bean prices. USDA's announcement that 204,000 metric tons of beans were sold for delivery to China in the current marketing year. January beans were 35 cents higher, Chip, 1382 and a half. May beans up 34 and one quarter, 1395. May beans closed the 1405, up 33 and a half, buddy. Yeah, export inspections of soybeans in the weekend at November 9, uh, 1.67 million metric tons, and that was below the low end of trade expectations. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Well, December cotton was 16 points higher today at 77.48. On your livestock, the cattle complex is trying to recover from last week's aggressive long liquidation. December fat cattle closed above the opening range to gain some traction for a recovery today. December live cattle futures were 75 cents higher, 174.92 and a half. February futures up 60 cents to 175.25. January feeder futures one dollar eighty seven and one half cents higher at two twenty eight thirty. And on the snout side, front month hogs working to narrow the discount to the cash index. These hogs a buck forty five higher seventy three thirty five. February hogs up one forty five seventy seven oh two and a half. Chip Lorry. All right, thank you very much, Davis. Let's bring in Jack Scoville from the Price Futures Group. How you doing, Jack? Uh, much better. The markets are finally starting to work higher, it looks like. So yeah. <laughs> I'm a little happier camper here today. Yeah, definitely. A nice start to the week and, for corn, uh, a great start to the week for beans. What do you make of it? Well, I think we're, uh, I think the weather market is finally kicking in with full force. I don't know why they waited till today as opposed to a week ago or maybe next week or whatever, but, uh, today was the day a lot of buying started to show up. And, uh, you know, it comes on the heels of the Chinese buying in the beans. They bought like 3 million tons from what I, you know, from all sources, uh, from the U S but, uh, that's what, uh, all the, all the press sources are talking about 3 million mm -hmm. tons. That's a lot of soybeans. Mm -hmm. And, uh, eventually they're all going to get shipped out. I'm sure. 
Yep. So the corn, uh, Mexico continues to nibble away at the corn market, so some good demand there as well. And uh, with the weather threatening down in South America, it was all systems were go here today and uh, was really great. Yeah. Yeah, Jack, you calling it a drought in central Brazil? I, I think you have to. Uh, it's been very hot, very dry down there. Uh, we've got... Uh, We've, we've got forecasts for more at least for the next week or so. Uh, the forecast for rain are calling for just widely scattered showers and then more hot and dry coming. So yep. I think when you look at it, uh, they're, they're definitely getting a world of hurt, and it doesn't really look like the situation's going to improve. And to me, that's kind of a classic drought situation. Yeah, it certainly is. And on, certainly on the other is. hand, it's, you know, on the other hand, south, southern Brazil is just way too wet. So, and those patterns seem stuck. Yes, they absolutely do. The sogginess down in southern Brazil is something that I tend to lose track of and, and need to remember that that is happening. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week. That is Jack Scoville from the Price Futures Group. Coming up next, we're going to have a conversation with Matt Campbell, Stonex Group. Is the drought in central Brazil, is it a bean story? Or is it a corn story? To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. In the morning, you're coffeeed up and you're thinking. In the afternoon, you've calmed down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. Agritalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Happy Monday afternoon, everybody. <laughs> it does feel like a happy Monday, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful Monday afternoon up here in Northeast Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a great day to have a conversation with Matt Campbell from the Stonex Group. Matt, it has been a long time since you and I have had a conversation. How you doing, <laughs> man? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Chip? Doing real fine, real fine. Glad that you're here. What's new? Anything? You know, every day is just an adventure, but uh, you had me on on the markets rallying, and we'll have all sorts of good stuff to talk about. There you go. There you go. Love it. Love it. Okay, so I think most listeners know that we try to exchange some notes with the guest analysts and uh, talk about what, what they want to talk about. And I'm telling you, I love the first bullet point that you put on here, Matt, because it is something that I have been thinking about and trying to come up with an answer to myself. The South American weather situation. Is it a corn story or is it a bean story? (laughs) Well, my thoughts are, I mean, I, I think one thing we can say with 
Some confidence is that it's definitely at least a corn story. I think we have to wait and see if it becomes a bean story. And I guess uh, you, know, you could see Conab's numbers last week. They're just not really willing to, to start reducing their, their, their bean crop estimates yet. And a lot of that's going to be due to potentially increased acres because of that delayed planting in corn. And, you know, their corn crop estimates are already 10 million tons below the USDA. So what we can see, the writing on the walls, we've, we've got some corn, you know, things going on. I think this is for sure already a corn story. It's just a matter of, you know, what does this look like by February on the soybean side of things? So why exactly are they making those moves on the size of the crop already? Is it lower yield expectation, lower acreage expectations, both? What is it? Well, you know, I think it's primarily going to be an acreage discussion. You know, it just to me, well, for, for a lot of reasons, you know, we talked about it already at the top. You, you guys have, we've got, uh, planning delays in, in both the, the northern, center, west, and southern parts of Brazil for various different reasons. And then, you know, too dry in the north, too, too wet in the south. I guess from a corn perspective, um, when you look at the southern parts of Brazil, you've got more ro- rotational crop down there. And I think what, what happened is it's been so wet. Corn crop didn't have great you know, economics from a farming pr- perspective. So we just ended up seeing a, a possibly a shift toward more bean acres as we get, you know, kind of further down that planting pace. But one thing to kind of remember is, is the growing season forecast for that area, probably all the way through central Argentina looks, looks pretty favorable. It's just a matter of getting that crop in the ground, which still doesn't look like it's going to be an easy task in the next few weeks. Right. Now you shift north and you get into, you know, the Safrina crop prospects. And that's probably where things get a little more dicey. You've got, you know, dryness. You've had planting delays. You've had possible replant of beans because of the drought. That crop goes in really early because it needs to be harvested early so they can get that Safrina crop planted in late you know, January, early February. And right now, you know, it just with the economics, with the challenge they've had getting that that bean crop planted it's just got that feel for that you know there's a little bit of lost acreage potential in the safrina area you know for this next coming crop year yep you know matt i think now, it's hard again that does, we don't know what that means for bean yields though right right i want to get to that here in just a moment but i think it's important people need to understand that the because the late bean plantings right now will eventually turn into delayed soybean harvest where they they are essentially pushing that corn planting date too far back into their dry season so that when it does when they do get that that corn crop planted it's going to be exceptionally vulnerable to some uh to to some some yield loss during the dry season, which is why many won't even plant some of it, all their intended Safrina corn acres. Is that the bottom line? That is absolutely the bottom line. And, and I, you know, the Safrina crop is, it's a huge deal. You know, Brazil is now technically the largest export of corn in the world, but it's highly contingent on the size of that Safrina crop. And, and, you know, we think about, you know, corn yield volatility in the U.S. really isn't that variable. I mean, we've got a few, you know, years where we're going to have some extremes, but but generally speaking, you think about 2012, we were 20-some percent below trend in the corn yield that year, and it felt like the whole world was ending. 
well, that's a Freena crop might have 20% deviations from trend every single year. So yeah. huge, you know, highly variable. Like you said, the crop, you know, the crop economics aren't strong. When you talk about pushing that window back too far into late January, you push that planting window into mid-Feb, all of a sudden, they're just not real excited about the prospects, the economics. It just all leads toward potentially abandoning some acreage um, for this next year. Okay. Okay, Matt. So it tell me, why does it feel like the soy complex, soybean, soybean meal, in particular, is is leading the rally. Well, um, all right, I've got a couple different things on that. First, if you want to, this classic observation I think from the market is we think about if there's a weather problem in South America, it's yep. primarily a soybean complex problem. I think that's just the way we've traded it for decades, and that's just how we go about thinking about it. Now, second, the meal story is finally, you know, kind of catching up with that crop debacle that Argentina had last year, and we're finally seeing, you know, signs of life. You know, we can tell they've kind of run out. They don't have a whole lot to offer. It's going to be a long time before their new crop comes online. U.S. is kind of the only game in town on export right now. So those kind of things are, are shifting. You've also got some domestic problems with production that were probably unplanned. And I think all these things just kind of add up to the meal market leading the charge. <clears throat> now, I will make one other comment. There is one benefit to the planning delays. We, while it might not affect Brazilian yields, you know, a great deal on the bean crop, we, it might, but we don't know yet for sure. What it is doing is it's pushing back the timing of that Brazilian harvest, which allows the U.S. to kind of sneak in and capture potentially a month more of, of business to China. And that's what we've seen, you know, some of those flash sales over the last week plus is been very good. And it's been something that, uh, you know, we're, we're finally finding that market. Um, and it's, you know, very much because of there's just very little for sale in Brazilian, you know, for their for their comfort level right now. So all that okay. stuff kind of works to support beans possibly more than corn. Okay. Now, um, when you take a look at, at the bean prices compared, you know, Brazilians, Brazil's bean price versus U.S. bean price, Brazil's still got a cheaper uh, bean price than what the U.S. does. So it, it's it's hard to figure exactly why all of a sudden China is here and buying beans unless it becomes an availability issue. Is Is that right? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's it's a combination of, you know, first of all, you know, I do think the Brazilian offer is starting to get a little bit thin. In other words, we're kind of at the tail end. They've been such an aggressive exporter of beans since their harvest, and you're just not seeing quite the 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 depth of offer from Brazil. So U.S. is kind of becoming slowly that only game in town situation, at least for possibly decent Jan. Feb might still be up for grabs, but we'll see how that harvest pace um, goes about in Brazil. But so I think that that's, you know, that's a real thing. Um, you know, Chinese buyers might also opt for, you know, buying U.S. beans as kind of a hedge just to make sure if if that Brazilian crop is slow, they've got some steady supply coming out of the U.S. ahead of that Brazilian harvest. Yeah. Okay. All right. Soybean meal. Matt, why? How in the heck are we trading this for a second time? Why wasn't this traded when we knew that they had forty percent of a bean crop in Argentina? 
I don't know. I mean, it's not like this is catching anyone off guard from what we no. thought was happening. But I mean, you're talking about a hundred dollar plus meal rally in the last month, and you know, a little over a month. It's it's uh, and and I mean, you're talking about interior domestic meal prices at almost five hundred dollars a ton, and this just seems kind of crazy when you've got you know corn prices are five bucks a bushel cash. So it's just very very peculiar, and I think good example of you know some money flow coming into the meal market. I think there's not a lot of other you know, real bull markets yes. out there in ag, and this is one of those things that kind of catches the a thin market off guard with a lot of money flowing into it. So all those things are kind of helping out along with the stories that we've kind of, you know, we've been known about for since last, uh, you know, Feb, March, but here yeah. we are trading it today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we've known about this story forever. Now, I am never, <laughs> ever going to call money that is making money uninformed. Or, you know, I, I'm not going to speak poorly of it, but this just feels like one of the most, one of one of the strangest, uh, mistimed rallies, which means, and I'm going to ask you about this when we come back, if the soybean meal market is helping this bean market rally, what should farmers be thinking about? I, I mean, a cattleman, a hogman, a poultry guy. A dairy is looking at the rally and meal and hating it. What does that mean for bean prices going forward? Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes where December HRW wheat futures were a penny and a half higher, 641 and one half. December SRW wheat up three and three quarter cents to close at 579. December corn futures 13 and one quarter cents higher today, 477 and one quarter. March corn up 13 and three quarters to 492 and three quarters. January soybean futures 35 cents higher at 1382 and a half. March beans up 34 and one quarter cents to 1395. December cotton was 16 points higher, 77.48. On your livestock, December fat cattle futures 75 cents higher. 174.92 and a half. Jan feeders a buck 87 and one half higher. 228.30 and December lean hog futures one dollar 45 cents higher. 73.35. Get more market news every market day. Just go to tryprofarmer.com. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. You're listening to AgriTalk, where the conversation begins. Join us at 855-4-TALK-AG. And we are in the middle of a conversation with Matt Campbell from the Stone X Group. Uh, Matt, the, the conversation leading up to this, I feel like before we talk about what we do with everything and what what marketers should be thinking about here uh i want to i think we need to talk a little bit more about this chinese demand that has come in for u.s beans what do you make of it 
Well, um, you know, like you mentioned earlier, that uh, we hadn't been really priced in very competitively with with Brazil. In fact, I think throughout the entire calendar year, um, now you you think about this, we're 11 months in. I I don't think we were um, cheaper than Brazil landed into China at any point this this year for being. So that tells you a lot about the program. And now, you know, you get into that situation. By the way, um, you know, the low water levels along the Mississippi River didn't help anything out about that during the start of our export marketing year. But, um, you know, today – it does feel like you've just got enough concern with that Brazilian crop, with the timing of it, with even the possibly the availability of any remaining old crop that, you know, we're, we're, we're finally looking like we're, you know, a little bit more competitive. Now it should be noted that for Feb, you know, we're still a dollar plus more expensive than what we're seeing offered out of Brazil. So, you know, there's there's some ground to make up there. But in the meantime, there's still, you know, a lot of crush business in China that's left uncovered, um, specifically for Deist Jan. And we're probably seeing that benefit over the last few weeks. We've had, you know, several million tons of flash sales and reports in the USDA's, you know, Thursday export sales reports, too. So um, it's a good thing. I mean, these are the kind of things we need because we were behind pace on sales pretty yeah. pretty drastically when you look at what the USDA is projecting for full year marketing year sales i mean this is like trade war level um projections it's not it's a it's a dismal program up to this point so this is a nice you know little breath of fresh air uh, over the last 2 weeks or so okay matt some of people are saying that these are goodwill buys uh coming off of the buy america tour ahead of this week's meetings in san francisco do you put do you give that much credence? Um, no, I think that this is more of a need situation. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, I think those goodwill ones, we did see one of those earlier this year and earlier a few, few months ago. I mean, I, I think this is just, just looking at what I'm seeing from a offer side of things from Brazil. I, I think that this is probably more of a need based, uh, based buy than it is a, a political based goodbye okay. buy. So, you know, those are always far more impactful on the market. So that's good. Okay. January beans. Here we are sitting up here at 1382 and a half on the close today. Has it been a rally or are we just getting started? We're, you know, basically a buck off the lows. Yeah. And, you know, my, my aunt, that's a great question. And, and the way I look at it is, you know, I, I think what's been so different over the last few years is, is the U.S.'s relevance in the world soybean market. I mean, we used to be 65% of global soybean exports, you know, not that long ago. And now we're about 35%. And, and what it feels like is we're almost like a, uh, you know, a stopgap measure between the old crop South American harvest and the new crop. So our, mm-hmm. our timing and our relevance is smaller than it used to be. Um, what does that all mean? It means that, you know, we kind of have to watch that South American crop. As it stands today, you know, it, it looks like we're projecting a, a significantly, by, by some measure, the largest bean crop in South American history. It also looks like we're projecting the largest world stocks in history yeah. based on USDA's current estimates. If we think that the acreage of beans is not going down a whole lot, I mean, I still want to look at this as a market that, you know, when you get into the $14 plus range, is probably something you need to keep selling into. Again, it's November. We don't know what this bean crop's going to actually look like, but that's, you know, I I like to look at it, and I mean, this is – 
it's a little bit more savvy, but, you know, look at kind of a trailing stop perspective, have a line in the sand. If you're going to want to see this bean market continue to rally, have a kind of a, a line in the sand below the market where if we start to roll over, I'm, you know, I think that's when you start to pull the trigger. But um, because, like you mentioned, we're in kind of a short-term uptrend, it's probably, you know, a, a prudent way of, of kind of playing this market out right now. Okay, so – what you're talking about is you draw that line in the sand, you let the market advance, and you continue to move that line in the sand upwards. And if you get a close below that line, that's when it's time to make a sale? Yeah, that's when it, you just have to have that that kind of thing. Because, yeah. like I say, I it does, it. it's, it's big picture. I mean, yeah, I th- I like to play that in uptrends in marketing, you know, have yep. that line in the sand. And, and especially when the fundamentals worldwide just look still a little bit question marky on corn it's a little different you know i think that that's a longer term downtrend and so i'm not quite as willing to let you know i think that's more of a sell pop kind of a market and beans you kind of let it let it kind of do its you know work for you so a little different uh, approach on each one of the crops right now yep you know when you get towards the end of the year and you start thinking about what's going to be the story of the year what when we look forward into 2024 what's going to be the story of the the year going forward at the end of last year, Matt, I was talking about, we are, we're going to get to the middle of the month or middle of the year. And we're going to look back at China cutting through all the red tape and all the phytosanitary issues to start allowing the import of Brazilian corn as a major, major story in 2023. Well, okay. It, obviously, Obviously, here we are, and it's a big, big story. I think the way things are setting up, I think we're going to be looking at this drought in central Brazil right now as a major story for the corn market in 2024, just because of availability out of out of uh, Brazil for export. Agree, disagree? Yeah, I agree. I, I think yeah. what what looking at you know kind of for exporter um you know supply and demand we're going to use u.s argentina brazil and ukraine when you okay. when you start to take off 15 plus million tons off the brazilian crop i mean all of a sudden you're going to have to have the u.s be relevant in the world market um to offset any lost export potential out of brazil so to your point this is a 2024 story a, a calendar year which means it really might span two marketing years so this is something that will you know, help the U.S. meet our currently projected USDA export goals. And it, you know, probably sets the stage pretty well for the 24 balance sheet as well, as far as exports go. Yeah. Well, what the heck? If a drought in Argentina can be bullish for two different marketing years and meal, why can't it be a drought in Brazil be bullish for two different marketing <laughs> years and corn? That's right. <laughs> hey, we'll take whatever we can get right now. You're so, darn right. You know. You're darn right. Um, now, I, I also like what you said about this changes your attitude a bit on corn and, and marketing on corn. Whereas in beans, I would be willing to let this market rally and let it play out just because it does feel like it is gaining some upside momentum in here. On corn, do you, I feel like it's more of a pick a number that's giving you a good enough return, you know, that quote unquote good enough return, make your sale and then defend it on paper. What do you think of that? 
I couldn't agree more. And I, and I, and I think that, um, you know, you, you just look at this, the last time the corn market had that breakout a few weeks ago to the upside, and it just felt like we we're going to make this move. It was one of the most, you know, glaring false breakouts I could see in, in, in a long time. It just felt like everything was momentum shifting to the upside and it just collapsed on itself. So that was the opportunity. Um, I think that, I think that the funds really want to stay short. I think the balance sheet on corn is not going to go, you know, much different than where it is right now. And all these things just kind of, to me, seem like, you know, you get you get some futures month over that $5 mark. You just have to kind of keep rewarding that market with sales. Okay. The WASD from, from November. Any lingering hangover from that for either of these markets? Well, I know no one's going to like it, but I guess I'd say this tends to argue for another, you know, upward revision on yield and in January, and we have a long ways to go between now and then, and we'll see a lot more about what that South American crop looks like. But, you know, I think the USDA is going to find more supply and possibly try to raise their 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 uh, export forecast as well to offset some of that increased production. But I would say that's kind of what the tone. Um, and the near trends look like when you start to look at that that yield change um, from last Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. I'll admit. I mean, we've gone through the last three or four weeks of getting comments from growers, and it really doesn't matter where they're coming from. I mean, dry land growers out in Nebraska. Okay, we're not going to include them in this. But the the story just consistently got, you know what, there's more corn out there than what I thought there was going to be. That's kind of what you guys are hearing, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a pocket in, like, probably not too far from you that probably would say, you know, it was real tough. Um, you know, Northeast Iowa wasn't, wasn't great, but outside of that region, I think you're, you're really hearing a lot of better than expected. And I'd even say in some cases, even inside that geography, it's not good, but it's still better than expected. Oh yeah. So, yeah. That's been my bias on, on yeah. this, this crop. So, so we got to watch basis trade from this point forward to confirm all of that. Right. Yeah, and, and I think that's a great point, too. Um, you know, one of the things you can say is as the futures market stagnates, what we can also look at is the growers had absolutely no interest in selling, at least west of the Mississippi. I think east, with how big that crop's been, uh, and there's a little more interest and basis is weaker. But uh, the western part of the country is, is certainly, you know, got the growers don't have any interest in that. We might have one of the least sold um, percentages in, in recent history. So there's a lot for sale above the market, but it takes some market moves to get there. So. Yep, yep. All right. Great game on Saturday night, early Sunday morning, wasn't it? Yeah, let's hope we can do it again. Let's keep it rolling, Coach. Let's keep it rolling. All right, Matt. <laughs> thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, Chip. Talk to you later. You bet. Matt Campbell, Stonex Group. We've got Kerry Artak coming up next. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use.
on your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device. Agritalk is live every weekday. Welcome back to Agritalk. Big thank you to Matt Campbell for coming on the show this afternoon. It's always fun to talk with Matt. The guy thinks about things, I uh, think, very, very logically. And from a chart perspective, so does Kerry Artac, Artac Advisory. Don't forget, go to artacadvisory.com, A-R-T-A-C, advisory.com, and get signed up for a two-week free trial. Kerry will get it started for you, and let's get Kerry started right now. Thanks, Chip. Yeah, to start with December corn, big week for December corn or the broader corn complex. We are now closely approaching a long-term support level. I've been mentioning on your show now for many months in the very low 460s, 460 half. Uh, that is a former six-year channel top that we settled above in 2021 that set off a significant rally uh, that year and into 22. Now we're right back at it. Uh, it is a level 460.50 that may well contain selling through all of next year and above which 546 and three quarter is in reach as we move into spring trade over the next three to five months or so an important pivot point on the way up is 506 even i think 506 even is in reach by the end of december or sooner over the next three to five weeks or so 506 even can contain monthly buying pressures when tested we could fall back from there into the low 460s again but closing above 506 even would indicate 540 six and three quarter within another two to three months realistically where we can top out on a seasonal basis which is to say into next spring now downside if we close the week friday below 460 half because it's such a long-term line study that really does need to be by a one percent margin so i think you can uh, just assume that it's a 456 even settlement or lower on friday one percent below 460 half roughly 456 even if we close friday 456 even or lower that is a long-term show of weakness i would expect 415 even within two to three months that is a solid support region but i do think that by this point next year this thing can unravel all the way back into the low three dollar area 310 to 320 i would say over the next full year if we close below that 460 half level by a one percent margin once again that is 456 even or lower on to december crude oil this is also a big week for crude oil we tested long-term support last week did not close below it it's 77.61 this week 78.01 is also an important area they're about 40 cents apart and so you know if we close this week below 77.61 and once again that should be by a one percent margin because that's a two-thirds speed line that spans about a year back and if we close uh, at 76.84 or lower december crude oil on friday that is a longer term sell signal for crude oil i would expect 62.14 over the next two to three months and quite possibly by this point next year the upper 40s 49 even as a long-term channel bottom but only if we violate that 77.61 long-term support level by the required one percent margin once again 76.84 or lower on friday's close until then we can bottom out here this is a long-term support area that above which 84.50 likely over the next three to five weeks and quite honestly the upper 90s in reach over the next three to five months 97.75 is long-term resistance that is in reach as we move into spring trade above 77.61 and if we were over the next 
month or two to close above 84.50. I see 97.75 within probably another two to three months where we can top out into later next year. And finally, March cotton, we rolled or we're in the process of rolling. There's meaningful support in the present location of 75.77, just below present price levels. 75.77 can contain selling through the rest of the year, possibly into next spring, above which 80.55 is in reach over the next several weeks and potentially all the way back to that 88.13 long-term resistance area over the next three to five months. 88.13 is a level that's been holding the market uh, uh, the highs, the buying pressures all through all of last year. I've been mentioning it a lot on your show. So holding above 7577, uh, we've got a three to five month possibility at 8813. And if over the next you know few weeks we close above 8055, then we've got 8813 as a mere one to two month target. Now, downside, if we close below 75.77 this week, 70.32 is likely within two to three weeks. And that is a very long-term support area for the broader cotton market, able to contain selling through all of 24. And from there, over the following six months or so, we can rally back once again to 88.13. If over the coming several months, we close any week below 70.32, cotton looks incredibly bearish through much of 24. I would expect over the next full year that at 4835-2020 low. And I think that pretty much summarizes it, Chip, for this week's analysis. Yeah, Kerry, thank you very much. I appreciate that. But 88 sure sounds a whole lot better than 48 when we're talking about what's going on in that cotton market, doesn't it, Davis? Jeez. Yeah, way better. That's Way wild. better. That's wild. Dude. All right, yeah, again, thank you to Kerry. Kerry Artak, Artak Advisory. Go over there, artakadvisory.com, get signed up. Are you looking at what I'm looking at? Uh, yeah, there's there's a bit of a flippity flop in the yeah. six to ten day and the eight to fourteen day. Flippity flop is what I'm calling it. I'm going back to exactly what you talked about at the start of the show. Mm-hmm. Here we are. We got mm-hmm. a second summer. Yeah. No, excuse me. Second spring. Mm-hmm. We're headed to a second summer later this week. Then we get into a second fall, and unfortunately, it might be a first winter coming our way before Mm -hmm. we get to the end of the month the six to ten day this is for november 19th through the 23rd is there anything that you want to tell us about that before we i get into it i mean alaska is just such a mixed bag just be ready for anything folks parkas and speedos middle of the country looking at above normal temperatures november 19th through the 23rd over to the east coast uh, but uh, including eastern Nebraska, eastern Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, in the above-normal temperature outlook. Above-normal precipitation also expected for November 19th through the 23rd. So mm-hmm. here's the deal. Here's your, what you call it? A flippity-flop? Flippity-flu, yeah. Flippity-flu. Mm-hmm. Below-normal temperatures expected Illinois, Missouri, western Arkansas, and points to the west. You've got near-normal temperatures expected in Indiana, western Ohio, and then the above-normal temperatures are pushed all the way out to the east coast. So here comes the the below-normal temperatures, and the thing is we stick with the above-normal precipitation in there as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. You know, all these quick changes in the, in the seasons make me think I need to get out there and get the gutters cleaned. One Might more be time, time, too. Yeah. Hey, time. thanks for listening today. Tomorrow morning, Representative Yadira Caraveo from Colorado. Randy Russell from the Russell Group, D.C.